That's Leland with Burning With Your Love, the live version. I'm Victory 91.5. It's Corey Haynes and Ray Haynes. And we're talking about Passover this morning. Mm -hmm. And you're about to talk about something interesting. You were talking about the armies of the Lord and who we are in the kingdom of God. Passover actually gives us our identity. That's why it's so important, unfortunately, for Christians in the church. We've just neglected it, and I think that's one of the reasons that we don't know who we are. But um, we talked about pay. This 5780 is the Hebrew year, and the 80 is pay. That's a Hebrew letter and number. So if you go back in time, one of the things that occurred during this, uh, the, the, there's two things, 5780 is, 80 is pay, but it's also the 17th letter or letter number in Hebrew. And so that particular one, 17, uh, has to do with Noah, especially because the 17th day of this particular month is first fruits, which is resurrection day. So pretty important day. And that happens to be when the ark landed on Mount Ararat. That was uh, a whole new world, a whole new creation. Time was changed again. So the second use of pay in the Torah happens in Genesis 8, 11. The dove came back to Noah at evening and behold, in her mouth, and you're looking for that word mouth, was an olive leaf plucked off. So Noah knew that the waters were abated from the earth. So you have a flood a dove, new growth, and a brand new beginning. Sounds very Passover-ish there. So the second use of pay occurs when God destroys the earth with a flood. Again, you've had Sodom and Gomorrah. You've had wiping out Egypt and the, the death of someone in every single household. So now this one, the earth with a flood, the mouth that is used this time, the first time it was a grave, this time it is a dove who brings evidence of their salvation. So here we see the mouth is now redemptive. There's judgment, but also great hope. It's Passover or Pesach. God is bringing a new beginning, a brand new world. That's what was supposed to happen for the Israelites. Didn't work out that well, but that was just because they rejected the very things God was doing for them. But this Passover meal is prophetic. Earth looks different than heaven. Shadows and types look different. In Egypt, they ate the lamb. In Jerusalem, they did not bite or eat Jesus, right? They received his spirit. In eternity, we eat this meal again with him at our wedding, the wedding supper of the lamb. This meal has not just been about Egypt for 2,000 years, it's now about the spirit and the bride. Outside the doors of, in Egypt, what was happening? The death angel was killing millions. In eternity, Jesus on a white horse with us will kill millions. The blood, they say, and the scripture says, four feet high, it's at the bridles of the horses, 180 miles square. Now, that's a lot of blood. If you think about it, you've ridden a lot of horses. So imagine blood for 180 square miles Four yeah, feet up. I mean, I can't even fathom that. It's hard to even picture something like that. But eating this meal is prophesying of that day. Communion is dangerous because it's part of the Passover meal. The meal represents the salvation and judgment of mankind. It's prophetic. That's why Paul warned not to eat it with sin in you. It's like eating Passover with the door open. <laughs> Bad mm. thing to do, by the way. Death angel has an agenda for sinners. The first Passover and the Passover meal occurs in Egypt about 3,500 years ago. But Passover doesn't begin there. Let's go back those, uh, remember, four before Moses to Abraham and Joseph. So we're going to go Abraham, he predicted that uh, the they would be in slavery and bondage for 100, 400 years. Jacob sent Joseph was the one that actually entered into Egypt to start all that. 
How did Joseph overcome slavery in prison where there's no reason for hope? He knew something that the rest of the world didn't know, just because it's a family line. He was chosen. He was from the line of Abram, who defeated mighty armies of giants to rescue his nephew Lot. Hundreds of years before Joseph was even born, God told Abram that his plan included affliction in Egypt. Remember, he said, you're going to be that for 400 years. Your descendants will be enslaved and mistreated, but I'll bring them out. And this word, this concept, and this idea, what God says here is, Afterward, they'll come out with great possessions, and they're going to deal with this Amorites. So the word here is afterward. So often we plead with God to be rescued from our battles, but his plan is for afterward. I love the way that God describes this massive group of beaten down slaves walking out of Egypt. Exodus 12, and it came to pass at the end of the 430 years on that very same day, it came to pass that all the armies of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. That's just powerful. Who are you? In the kingdom of God, you are the armies of the Lord. That's why they were being afflicted in Egypt to become a great army. God led them and fought their battles, but tragically, they couldn't ever see themselves the way God saw them. They couldn't believe that God would save them from the giants lurking in the new land, let alone use them to bless and save the whole world. They were terrified. So their graves are strewn across miles of desert outside the land that held God's promises for them. They came out of Egypt as a great army. They were called to destroy the Amorites 400 years before. That's why they were in Egypt, to become a great army. The Israelites didn't understand why they were in Egypt. They didn't understand why they were leaving. They certainly didn't have a concept of themselves as warriors. But God was leading them and fighting their battles. The death angel in Egypt, you want to talk about fighting your battle. There is, it says there is not a house without someone dead. That's fighting your battles. At the Red Sea, here's the scripture says, So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Not so much as one of them remained. That's God fighting your battles. At Jericho, Joshua went up to the angel that he saw, the angel of the Lord. Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I've now come. Joshua 6 says, And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox and sheep and donkey with the edge of the sword. That's God fighting your battles. 1,500 years later in Jerusalem, Jesus gathered with his disciples to eat the same meal to prepare them for his arrest, torture, and crucifixion. By the way, when they fought uh, Jericho there, the, first, the last thing they did before that battle was have Passover. Mm-hmm. He prepared them for his arrest, torture, and crucifixion. So Jesus, he rose again, triumphing over death and hell forever. And he gave us this meal to help us remember that he is our only answer to get our eyes off of the fears of this present world, things like coronavirus. Passover is the gathering of the armies of God to prepare them for the coming battles. Why are we gathering tonight to eat Passover in our homes? The Israelites in Egypt were thinking about escaping their situation, not preparing for war. And that's why they failed. But God was focused on their enemies. We were always his army. And Passover is ultimately the gathering of the armies of God. That's what all the blood is about. That's the very reason we do Passover. 
I think that's interesting. You're talking about Jericho, that they had Passover before the walls came down. And earlier, you're talking about the veil being torn, you know. It's over and over and over. There's so many themes over and over. Every time you study Passover, you go, ooh, 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 you'll learn a new thing. And the Last Supper was Passover. It was. And, uh, you know, people, uh, it's funny. I had a, a call from one of our real dear friends, David Williams. He was probably sitting with some folks, and they were asking, um, you know, what, what's the deal with Good Friday? Why why is it Good Friday? When mm. Is that really when it happened? And the answer to that is no. There was a confusion in the translation of the Bible, and they that it said that when they were they had to take him off the cross in time for the Sabbath, and so at that time because of the anti-Semitism and not knowing the Jewish traditions, they didn't understand that there is more. Uh, Sabbaths during the Passover. The Passover itself is a Sabbath. And so they weren't waiting for the Friday night to Saturday Sabbath. It was as it was today. He would have died on Thursday. They would have taken him off the cross and buried him on Thursday. Mm. And the Feast of First Fruits was Saturday night to Sunday, right? Mm. So all of these things you just got to study and dig into and and realize that sometimes the misunderstanding is just a lack of um, just knowing. (laughs) It's just encountering Jesus. And the more you encounter him, the more you discover. And this Friday at 12 o'clock, Pastor Don Allen true. from the Church at War Hill, he's coming here on the radio to actually lead us in a time of communion. Very cool time. And he's going to share one of my favorite messages, too. And tonight you're preaching at the Church at War Hill. 7 o'clock online. Yeah. Warhill.com or Facebook Live. If you're on Facebook, just sure. follow the Church at Warhill, and yeah. there's going to be more on Passover. And we're going to be talking about all the, well, a shorter version of this tonight. <laughs> Much shorter. Much shorter. You've been here since 7, and you're going to stay here until 12. I'm here until 12 with uh, Nathan, yeah. <laughs> Coming up, I see Chris Renzema, his song, Springtime. It was 1962.